0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Well, as you turn to uh, Psalm 46, if you have your Bible, your Bible app, I want you to hold the edge of your seat. I'm about to tell you something that's kind of a little revelation for some of you. And here it is. Our world is troubled. Our world is troubled. The discovery of where we are now as a world, we were considered uh, the nation of stars and stripes. Now we're the nation of stress and strife. I watched for sermon research the other night, one hour of CNN and one hour of Fox. I wish I could have those two hours back. Uh, One-third of the news was about shootings and gun control and uh, school safety. Uh, One-third of the news was about the latest statements that various politicians had made, what they meant to say, what they didn't say, what they should have said, what the commentators on the news thought they said, and what certain words meant in the English language. And then the last third was about the troubled world, about other countries and uh, about heartache and about concerns about our world calamity. And when I finished that, I said, the God I wish the world knew is a refuge, but most of the world doesn't know that, most people don't know the God that we know is a refuge, and maybe you've been around church and you have forgotten that the God that we serve is a strength and an ever-present help in time of trouble because he is a refuge place. Harvard did a study recently, and I wish they would have just called me and saved the money because they have concluded that the anxiety and worry level of people in America right now is at an all-time high. I, 30 seconds, I could have been the scientist researcher for them and saved them multiplied millions of dollars. It is reported that the average high school student today has the same amount of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in 1950. People that we put into padded rooms in the 50s, they say our high school students have that same kind of amount of trouble. As a pastor, as a uh, chaplain for our police and fire department, as an honorary commander at Vandenberg at different times and currently, I have seen over and over again uh, that lives are troubled. Someone is rushed to the hospital. Someone involved in an automobile accident. Someone who is told by the doctor that uh, their condition is fatal. Someone that is told uh, by a note that their spouse is now leaving them. These are all true stories, by the way. Woman finds out her husband is running away because he left a note on the coffee table. Someone has received a memo that uh, their company is downsizing and that their job may be eliminated. Somebody with a gun goes to a school campus, someone in a high-rise hotel at a concert venue, someone in a nightclub, someone in a prayer group, our world is troubled. And then somebody has the audacity to make bogus claims about a school threat that turns out to not be real. And a bunch of students don't go to school on Friday, and some don't go because of the threats. Others don't go because a school bus got shot at with a BB gun or a pellet gun in Mission Hills. Or, like this week, a young infant dies unexpectedly. The God I wish you knew always knows what is going on in our lives and in our world. He doesn't turn his eye away, his heart away. He always cares for us. Now, Psalm 46 is a beautiful psalm. It's a song that is written by a musician in response to what happened to good, godly King Jehoshaphat. See, King Jehoshaphat had his little army go out and look on the horizon to see what was going to come their way. And there they, they, they see these three groups of people, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Mianites, who were also followed by the Termites. And Jehoshaphat is troubled in his heart. And he does what people who know God do. He runs to God and he pours out his heart and he pours out his soul and he recognizes that his people that he leads are going to come under siege. Many of them will die. And he recognizes the plan of all these ites is to not only kill, but to take all the stuff so there'll be no legacy for their children and for generations to come. And he pours out his heart to God and God sends a prophet to him with a message And here's the message in 2 Chronicles 2015. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not come on, you can read it. Be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army. And you want to stop there and say, excuse me? Have you seen the vast army? Come on. Have you seen the obstacles that are in my way? Have you seen the overwhelming odds? Do you know that I'm under great fatigue? Do you understand That I'm under stress and worry and anxiety. And I've seen, my scouts have come back. They're well trained. They went to war college. And they know that there's too many of the ites against my little band of merry men. But God says this phrase. Would you read it? For the battle is not yours but the Lord's. Could you imagine being Jehoshaphat and being told that? Let me rephrase it. Your future is not really yours, but it's in the hands of the Lord. The problems that you're facing today are not really yours, but they're in the hands of the Lord. And the enemy will come, and darkness will come, but in the midst of it all, we have this incredible song that comes out of the experience of Jehoshaphat. You probably know what happened. What happened was this, God tells Jehoshaphat, rather than bring the armies out first, I want you to bring the worship team out and all the choir from LFC, (laughs) that's you, and rather than going out with sticks and stones and primitive weapons, what I really want you to do, what I really want you to do is worship me in the midst of your trouble. Worship me in the face of adversity. Worship me in the face of darkness. What I want you to do is praise me. And Jehoshaphat's probably saying, I'm paraphrasing now, that's a stupid idea. But he does it, And all of the enemy was so confused by the worship of God that they started fighting each other. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And sometimes in the face of whatever we're facing, maybe a financial crisis, a physical crisis, a family crisis, that God would come to us, a personal crisis, and say, this is what I want you to do. And it doesn't seem right. Like the pastor saying, don't just clap, express your praise. You go, that's weird. But, But what if those are the moments of breakthrough for you? Well, what if that's that's a time where you'll be changed. What if you, you, you read the, the Scripture and it challenges your heart or it begins to have you think differently? And so, on the hill of all these dead bodies who killed each other, the vast armies, this little army of Jehoshaphat are scratching their heads going, I can't believe this worked. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to fast forward your life I can fast forward your life. There'll be a day that if, if you're a Christ follower and you take your last breath and you stand before the Lord, you may have a tinge of this in your heart. I didn't believe it worked. But when the Lord ushers you into heaven, you're going to go, it worked. My faith in Jesus was not in vain. My faith in God's Word was not in vain. This is the God who inspired this writing for us in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. In other words, He doesn't run when trouble comes. He is more present in trouble than any other time. We meet Him most in the valley than we do in the mountaintop. We meet Him most in the darkness than we do in the light. Therefore, we will not fear. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Nations are in our uproar. Boy, this could be written today, could it not? Kingdoms fall and God lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. By the way, if you don't hear me say anything else, this should be the, the verse, the mantra, the vision statement, the mission statement, the corporate station uh, statement for your life and your family. The God who is the Lord Almighty, is with us. It'd be a good statement for you to make every day this coming week. God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. The Lord Almighty is with me. The God of Jacob is our fortress. By the way, that's repeated twice. Don't forget that God is a fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations He has brought on the earth. All the ites are gone. And then he says, be still and know that I am God, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Most of the Psalms in the Bible start with the theme first, like the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Now we know what that's about now. It's about shepherd, about us being sheep. But in this particular Psalm, the Lord is our strength and our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble the theme is near the end of this psalm, and it's two words. Two words, be, be still, be still. Now, all of us are familiar with this phrase. If you can remember back when you were a little kid, and if you were anything like me, and some of you were, God help you, 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 you remember, you remember the, the hand of your mom or dad that went right here. Shh, be still. Quiet now. We used to go to synagogue on Friday night. My mom would feed us lifesavers to keep us quiet while the rabbi was preaching. <laughs> and I think it's counterintuitive to give kids any kind of sweets and tell them to be still in the same sentence. Doesn't make any sense. But, but I, I, I still think I have some marks here from my mom who said to me in her great Italian voice, calling me by my whole name, Bernard. Be still. Yes, mom. Can I have another lifesaver? <laughs> God would would love us to catch the Hebrew phrase here, be still, which literally means to put your arms down to your side. In other words, don't try to fix the problem. Don't get caught up in the problem. Don't tell everybody on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and text messages your problem. Shh. Be still. Put your arm down. It also means to take a deep breath. It also means to relax. It also means that you problem solvers here or watching online, don't try to problem solve. Don't try to analyze everything. Don't try to fix anything right now. The first thing you do when you face a terrifying situation is lay down your your arms. Jehoshaphat, you guys are going to worship. It seems like an odd thing to do, but you will see victory if you be still. Remember, he's saying in essence to a king, relax. Take a break. Lay down your arms. Put down your army, and remember the battle is mine. That's what being still is. It's recalibrating your mind and your soul and your, your heart. See, the God, I wish you knew desires that we come to him and trust him. In 2 Timothy 4.5, Paul tells his, his young mentoree, he says, uh, keep your head about you in all situations. And that can only happen if God is really your refuge. You see, when we get caught up in the emotional, our sense of reason is diminished. Our ability to be creative is lost. Our creativity is lost. We're so focused on the army. We're so focused on the enemy. We're so focused on the trouble that we forget that we have this overwhelming, amazing God. And I don't know if anybody else is like me, but man, the last thing I want to do when there's a crisis or a problem is be still. I want to do something. Don't just sit there, do something. And God says, excuse me, be still. Be still. Hebrew, cover your mouth. Shh. Be still. Put down your arms, bend your knees, embrace the promise. Still, put down your arms, bend your knees, and surrender in prayer, and know, here's the promise, and know that I am God. Now, how does he let us know him? He shows up. And now, unless you you think I'm crazy and weird, um, or you prove that I am, because some people think that about me anyway. Uh, Every once in a while, every once in a while, I get this right. Uh, Recently, something happened, and I didn't know what to do, and I sat in my office. I moved to a different chair, and I raised my hands, and I said, God, I got this message coming up that I'm feeling in my soul about you're our refuge, so let me try it out. Before I preach it to the people, let's see if it works. You know, everything in me, all my inclination, all my experience, all my history says I got to do something. But I'd just like to take a few moments and be still. With my hands raised in a posture of surrender, I said, God, I'm going to be quiet now. I'm bowing my proverbial knees, my hands are raised, and I want to know you, that you are God. I waited for about eight seconds, and I said, hurry up, (laughs) because my phone was going, and while I was, I'm going to tell you, while I was in that moment, 11 text messages came in. One one person responded, I'm sorry to bother you, you haven't responded. I guess you're too busy for me, the first one I got. Thank you. Thanks for your patience. Wow, six seconds. I didn't reply. Got it. Got it. And I heard the whisper of the Lord. I don't always hear Him. Some pastors hear Him every hour. I don't. I'm not one of those. But I heard the whisper of the Lord, and I'll share it with you. You're in the right place. (laughs) You're in the right right place. I go, you mean C Street? No. (laughs) in the right place in my presence. When was the last time something came against you and you ran into the presence of God? You just longed for His presence. You begged Him to show you that He was God. You see, the the God I wish you knew, number one, is part of this verse. He's a refuge. He's our refuge. you remember back to when you were really young? Some of you have to really go back, but and someone tried to chase you. Do you remember that? Not just tag, you're it. But someone was after you, chasing you. And you were running for your life. Or what you thought was your life. You ran as fast as you could. And hopefully you ran home. You ran out your room. I remember running from the edge of my bedroom. One hop into my bed because there was some guy under my bed who was going to grab my ankles. Did you ever have that fear when you were a kid? Or somebody in the closet that was going to get me in the darkness of the night, the boogie, boogie, boogie man was going to come. And so I would, with my foot, shut the door, run over here, leap into the bed and say, I'm safe. My mom used to say, what are you doing? There's somebody under the bed. There's nobody under the bed. man, I thought there was. Or my friends in the fourth grade who chased me home one day after school because they didn't want me on their baseball team on the schoolyard, and they chased me home. They said, never come back to our school, like they were in charge. And I ran all the way across the bridge over the LA River. I ran as fast as I could by the dirt trail. Man, I ran fast. And they were chasing me with sticks and stones and words that could break my bones. And I ran. But this is not the first time people ran. Back when Psalm 46 was written, people were running. You see, in the Old Testament records, we find in ancient Middle Eastern times that people lived in a rudimentary form of justice that called for the services of someone known as a blood avenger. So let's say this happened. You got in a fight with somebody and you're swinging fists, and you hit them and they fall down and hit their head on a rock and they die. You better run for your life. Because the family is going to find out and they're going to hire a blood avenger and usually the blood avenger was the fastest person that they could find. And the only way they got paid is if they ran after you and chased you down and killed you and brought back proof. So let's pretend now you're a lady, you're a housewife, you're on your camel and you're going to Grocery Outlet or Foods Co. or Albertsons or Vons or you're making the long Middle Eastern trek to Trader Joe's. And while you're en route, a five-year-old runs in front of you and you pull the reins back on the camel but the camel has a mind of its own and knocks the kid down and the kid hits his head on a curb and dies. Even though the death was accidental, you had to run for your life and if the blood avenger found you they would kill you and bring back proof and get paid so God speaks in Deuteronomy and in Numbers and has Joshua set up cities of refuge because God says this is crazy And here's what we're going to do to remedy this. He sets up these cities of refuge. There are six cities or safe zones of refuge all across Israel. And your job was, your job to save your hide was to run as fast as you could to a city of refuge. And once you were in there, no one could mess with you. And if your death, the death that you caused was accidental, Someone then would create this jury trial. They would give you a scroll that said you are innocent and you can go home back to your city without the blood avenger getting you. Man, when I see that, I go. you talk about great imagery about God who cares, our very present help in time of trouble, our refuge. You want to talk about the greatest blood avenger of all, that's the devil himself who runs after you with lies, He tries to shame you and guilt you. He tries to accuse you day and night. But there was someone who trumped that blood avenger with his own blood. That was Jesus who dies on the cross and says, "Ah, stand back blood avenger. I become the city of refuge. Jesus is our refuge. He's our anchor. The Holy Spirit is our refuge. The refuge place that we have today is in the presence of God. He is our refuge. And the refuge is a picture of the heart of God and what he desires for each of us. And it's better than a movie. And it's better than a trip. And it's better than a vacation. And it's better than anything you think you need when you need something for your soul. It's the presence of God that we run into that is our refuge. It's like Psalm 91.4 says, God will shield you with his what? With his wings. God will shield you with his wings. And we come under the wings of God. Now, uh, some time ago on Animal Planet, I saw how this works. I saw little chickens that were foraging for food and a young baby coyote that tried to get the chicks. And the coyote ran into the yard and the chicks go, ah! But they weren't too sure what to do except go, ah! And that's what they did like we do in a time of trouble. Ah! Ah! But the mama hen came out and stretched out her wings. And all the little chicks came. And she put her wings down, so now the chicks were invisible to the coyote. And she made the most angry, mean face that a chicken can make. I mean, don't mess with mama's babies. Am I right, ladies? You know, mama bear, don't mess with a mama bear. Don't go near a mama bear's cubs. Oh, look, it's a little bear, baby bear. Don't go near that baby bear. Because not far from the baby bear is mama bear, and not far from mama bear is her cry that papa bear can hear, and you're going to be breakfast. What I learn about the chickens in refuge is that they don't get to stay there forever. And so the refuge place of God is where we come to be with him in the midst of our trouble and then we go back out in the world and then we come back to him. And we go back out and we, even though he's with us by the Spirit, we, 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 we do our thing, we do our job, we, we deal with the boss, we deal with the bills, we deal with the pressures of life and flus and colds and all that goes with it. But, but we can run back into his presence Remember the 23rd Psalm, the Lord prepares a table, come on, anybody know the 23rd Psalm? The table before me in the presence of my enemy. It doesn't mean the enemy stopped being an enemy. The war is going on on the outside, and we get to come in to this tent that God has created for us, it's a table, where we have bread, we break bread together, and I always picture it, I'm sorry, that we have bread and we have soup. We have pasole or calderas or something like that really good, you know, or chicken and matzo balls. Come on. And God knows that outside the war is still going on. The troubles are still going on. The enemy is out there. But in the presence of our enemy, we get to stop being on the battlefield and take a moment and walk into the presence of God and feel the refuge place, feel the shadow of his wings. Psalm 9.9, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 62.8, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The second thing is the God I wish you knew is a God of strength. This is a wonderful truth to claim for our own because nothing saps our energy like a crisis. Nothing saps our energy like a troubled time. That's why Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the... See, the God I wish the world knew is that the Lord is their strength because not any human being on this planet, hear me, has enough strength to run their own lives. Talked to somebody recently, and they said to me, well, I don't believe in God. And I said, yeah, well, that's, that's pretty good because we're talking about the God I wish you knew. Well, I don't want to hear about the God you wish I knew because I don't believe in God. And they said, you know, when, when you're really good, the law is the universe pays you back for your goodness. And I said, that's kind of like Karma. No, I don't believe in karma, because that's created also to another God, and I don't believe in any of that stuff. And they, and they said to me, this was really cool. They said, "You're probably going to tie it all to God, but, 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 but the universe has been good to me. What goes around comes around. that's not even in the Bible. But I did say, there's a verse that says, "You reap what you sow." And they said, "Oh, you're quoting the Bible again, and I don't believe in God, and therefore I don't believe in the Bible. And I don't want to know the God that you know, but anyway, I'm just telling you the universe has been good to me. And I said, uh, okay, good. I won't preach anymore. But I do have to tell you this. God is behind the universe, (laughs) right? I mean, he put the universe into motion. If there's such a thing about reaping what you sow and what goes around comes around, then, then he's got to be behind it. You see, God is our source of power and the battles that we face in life, he is there for us. Any battle that you're, you're facing. And the last thing is the God I, I wish you knew is with us. How wonderful is that? <laughs> Back in the early 1900s, there was a missionary who went to the Philippines. And not only did he want to preach, but he helped build road systems. And he found these people that are still there today, people in our first service from the Philippines knew exactly what I was talking about, the Igorots. And they were these mountain people that hadn't seen anything about civilization. And so this missionary rode his horse into town to get supplies and he, and he saw in a big crate wheelbarrows. And he thought, if I could get the wheelbarrows to the Igorots, we could move more material and build more roads and We borrowed a primitive truck and put the crate of wheelbarrows on it and drove it back to the Igorots and said, look, you guys can use these. Took the truck, went back to the village, rode his horse back, and when he got back, he saw the Igorots using the wheelbarrows. They were filling them to the brim, and then with a guy on each side, they picked up the wheelbarrows and carried them. (laughs) They'd never seen a wheel before. Didn't even know why it was hanging on their bucket. And when I read that story, I thought, how amazing. There are people in our world that know some stuff about God or maybe some stuff about faith or some good principles in life and they are trying to carry everything by themselves. And I just want to remind you that God, who is our refuge, can make life a lot easier for you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean that you'll always be safe from all disease and issues and flus and colds and cancer and everything else. It doesn't mean that. It means that you'll have a place to go to that is unlike any other place. It's a place that is a relationship place. That's why it says that God is with us. Notice, He's with us in our troubles. It's why the writer to Hebrews says, never will I leave you or forsake you? Which literally means I will never let go of you or even begin to loosen my grip. Even if you let go of me, I'm holding on to you. It's best that we would hold on to the Lord and he would hold on to us. But even if we start letting go, God still has us. I heard a preacher once say, you know, if you don't pray every day, God's not going to be around you anymore. He's going to find somebody else. He's going to leave you. I see God differently. I I see God like the prodigal father at the end of the driveway waiting for his kids to come back and pick up where we left off last. And he knows we're going to get enamored with the world. He he knows that we're not always going to be still and know that he's God. But when we come, he does not turn his back on anyone because God doesn't leave us on our own when life gets dark. As I uh, get ready to pray... I want to just use the words of Philip Yancey who, in his book called Reaching for the Invisible God, says when, when trouble comes, we, we can fear the crisis or we can fear God, but we really can't do both. We can either look at the crisis and say, oh, I kind of revere it in a sense. It's, it's kind of like all the ites against Jehoshaphat, or we can say, you know what, Lord, I trust you more than anything else. You have my future in your hand. I believe in you. I'm not going to allow the crisis or the trouble to rewrite my theology about who you are. I'm going to believe in you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is my fortress. We have a choice to fear God or to fear everything else. To trust God or to trust ourselves. So well, as we get ready to end, I just want to encourage you, if you've never given your life over to the greatest blood avenger of all, that's Jesus, that you would do that this morning as I close in prayer. And, and if you're somebody who's drifted away from God and forgotten that He is our refuge, that somehow you would come and put your arms down, be still, and know that He's God, to find some time today, to find some time this week, And say, Lord, I just need to be with you. I need to turn off the cell phone and turn off the TV and certainly turn off the news. Don't waste an hour. Maybe take an hour with him instead. And say, God, this is the stuff I'm facing, but with my heart open and my hands open and my knees bent, I want you to be my refuge. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.